Who says tech can't be human? Find a good co-founder, find uh, good mentors. It's all about standing on the shoulders of people that have been through this before. So that is really what's been key to me. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Hey everyone, it's me, Simone Biles. You might be wondering why you're hearing my voice on a cybersecurity podcast ad. Well, it's because I'm partnering with Axonius. Whether you're a gymnast like me, or an IT or security pro, complexity is inevitable. And I've learned that the key to success is focusing on what you can control. Go check out my video at axonius.com slash Simone. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash S-I-M. O-N-E. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. E- yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again with a guest, as always, and not just any guest, a guest that I go way back with, a guest that really everybody in cybersecurity goes way back with. Our guest today is Bob Cruz. Bob is the CEO and co-founder of Revel Stoke Security. Bob has sold security to pretty much everybody, but now he is building it. Bob, welcome to the Hacker Valley Podcast. Chris and Ron, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I appreciate the airtime. Absolutely. It's been a long time coming, I'd say, in the history of Hacker Valley. This episode has probably been the longest time coming out of everyone. (laughs) But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, Bob, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. Again, it's an honor. Thank you. So my background is, you know, over 20 years in technology, mainly in sales, sales operations, that sort of thing, and go to market. And it's been an interesting ride now as CEO and co-founder of Revelstoke here. And I'm really looking forward to telling that story. But yeah, I've sold a lot of technology over the years, and uh, I'd love to impart any valuable knowledge or insight I can provide. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and kick it off, right? You've been everywhere in cyber, at least from my perspective, especially (laughs) from the sales perspective. You know, how did you get started in selling cybersecurity software? And what has that meant for you just looking back and reflecting on your career? Yeah, great question. So I started in technology at the Oracle Corporation in 1998, I believe. And I ended up there because prior to that, I was in investment banking and I was helping a lot of, and I'm dating myself here, a lot of dot coms go public on the investment banking side. And um, I just decided I wanted to be on the other side of the screen. And I resigned from investment banking and joined the Oracle Corporation with the sole intent of getting uh, my experience in technology sales so I could go to a startup and work with a venture-backed company. And that's how I got started. And then from there, I went to venture-backed companies through the dot-com implosion and ended up in layer four through seven networking sales at F5 Networks, where I got to uh, experience cybersecurity sales. And I quickly realized that that uh, was very interesting to me given the human aspect of cybersecurity in terms of white hat, black hat, why they did it, where they got in, how they got in, and what they were after. And so security just kind of really attracted my attention. 
And then from F5 Networks, I went to Blue Coat Systems and then to FireEye. And then from FireEye to Tomisto, and here I am today. <laughs> there you go. What I mean, what a journey it's been. And you know, when you talk about selling and you talk about selling to people, right, the human side, I think one of the hardest targets in the world is a cybersecurity practitioner, right? Because they are a little bit, what's the word for it? They're a little skeptical about what people are selling, right? I get reached out still to this day, every single day on my LinkedIn. What has been your experience in selling to cybersecurity practitioners? Yeah, well, Chris, I tried to sell to you, I think, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get it. So credibility and integrity really plays a huge part with cybersecurity. And you're right. I mean, the nature of the business is you're hired as a cybersecurity practitioner to be paranoid and not necessarily believe what you're seeing, hearing, or anything, or reading. So that is a little different of a sale. And uh, typically what it entails is admitting things you don't know and uh, not trying to oversell yourself or your product and not say things like, you know, there's never any false positives or things like that. And what's helped me is uh, I've got somewhat of a closeted geek in that I understand enough of the technology to be dangerous to where I can establish some credibility in exhibiting my knowledge of how packets flow and, you know, the OSI stack as well as, you know, just kind of throwing out, I'm a really good regurgitator of, of information, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean I know exactly what it does. I have a very high level gestalt, if you will, understanding of how things work. And that definitely helps me sell cybersecurity. But, um, you know, having been in this business for a while is probably the number one reason why I'm able to get to talk to people. I would imagine that also part of it is really understanding pain points by the customer. You're mm -hmm. selling it, you're building those relationships, but you, you'll you be able to have a long career, especially in this industry with people constantly changing jobs. If you build those relationships and understand the growing pains, understanding the pain of a practitioner or a leader when they first start a company or join a company all the way to them having a well-established security program and organization, understanding those growing pains. And now you're building technology. You started mm -hmm. your own company, which yeah. is an interesting path from going from a sales leader to a CEO for a technology company. Were there any speculations on like, hey, can this guy really go from sales to being a CEO at a tech company or was that transition more seamless where everybody had the faith in your understanding of the problem and space? Yeah, that's a great question. Very relevant to where I am. And it definitely was the case where I was put through probably a lot more than a typical founder CEO because I came from the sales side. And so there was definitely some scrutiny in terms of my ability to lead you know, a pre-revenue startup venture backed that, uh, you know, I've never done before. So the beauty of what we're doing though, is that, you know, I do have resident expertise and knowledge in the market that we're selling into and then with the product we're selling with. And so that definitely helped me a lot. I think that if I was inventing a new category of solution, it'd be a different thing. But what we have here is, you know, basically, you know, the idea of that we already know what product market fit is. And so it was a little easier for me to get past that screen. But certainly, I was definitely put under the microscope as a CEO co-founder 
being that I was from the go-to-market side. So that was definitely unique and uh, not very common for a lot of our investors. So you talked about this desire to be in technology early on in your career, and then you go out and you start your own company. Was there any inspiration from when you were younger? Is there a moment from your childhood or maybe early adulthood that said, wow, I want to start a technology company in, in <laughs> any facet? Like, is there a story to that? Yeah, great question, Chris. And yeah, uh, the first thing I would say is be careful what you ask for. <laughs> True. <laughs> a lot of this is self-imposed, but in any case, yeah, I mean, there absolutely is. So my father had his own business, which he started in our backyard. And it certainly wasn't in high tech or cybersecurity. It was heavy equipment, but I got to see, and I was a definite part of getting that up and going and working at the family business. And there was always a sense of, you know, family pride that, you know, we had cruise tractor and equipment and mm. that my father started it from nothing. And, um, you know, we, we all worked at the business for a certain amount of time. So entrepreneurialism was something that ran in our family. And so and my mom started her own business, uh, you know, doing aerobicize, again, dating myself here. And then my older sister started her own law practice which she still has today. And so entrepreneurialism ran, you know, deep in, in the family DNA. And so my definition of success was always kind of a foregone in terms of you need to start your own company, you know, self talking to myself here in order to, you know, be successful. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the fame or notoriety or anything like that. It was just about the idea of having this, you know, this is mine. I built it. And uh, that's, you know, sense of source of pride right there. So they were probably wondering, what's taking you so long, Bob? We all started our own <laughs> businesses and practices. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it's you know, true. That- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They all have advanced degrees. I'm the only, you know, the one without one. You know, I'm kind of the dunce of the family, but anyway, now we're doing good. Yeah. So let's talk about the assembly of, you know, the company and how you formed the, oh, yeah. the company and team. You know, what were, what's the story behind it? Of course, you know, we used to work together at a company called Demisto. We got yes, acquired sir. by Palo Alto Networks. Big ups, shout outs to us. But you decided to do a repeat, which I was a little jealous about because I wish I did that myself. But what's the story behind you forming this company. Well, I'm jealous of your podcast. I, I'm just, <laughs> guys, are, guys are killing it. But, you know, again, coming back to the fact that, you know, I'm a go-to-market salesperson and dangerously technical. I needed a good co-founder. I needed somebody I could trust, implicitly trust and knew really well that was technical. Otherwise, there's no way I could do this by myself. And so I partnered with my long-term friend and trusted partner, Josh McCarthy, who, you know, I've worked with since 2010 and FireEye. And he kind of selected me as his sales counterpart when I arrived at FireEye, and we were a team ever since. And so really, it's about people. It's really about having a co-founder that complements you, that you can implicitly trust and then implicitly trust you. And that in and of itself is unique because you can have the best technology in the world, the best idea in the world, all the money in the world. But if you don't have a trusted relationship or trusted relationships in your in your company or with your investors, it's not going to be successful. So that was the key to us getting this off the ground. And so I knew he could 
I understood the problem we wanted to solve. I understood how we wanted to solve it, but he understood the technology that we needed to create in order to do that. Whereas I knew who to sell it to and how. And then recruiting as well. We're both very good and have expansive networks in terms of recruiting, but I, you know, I can go on forever about that. But um, in any case, it's really about my co-founder, Josh McCarthy. I couldn't, I would, could never do this without him. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S dot com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. So every good startup story starts small, right? Tell us one of those early stories, like in, during Stealth, you're, you're working away, you're planning things out, something that would really highlight what it's like to be part of this process. We started this really with a really ugly PowerPoint deck. And it was, it's gross. Like I have it on my laptop and I, it hurts my eyes to look at it. But over two years ago, the last RSA before COVID wiped us out, we put together a pitch deck for some, you know, proposed investors, seed investors. And it was literally just, you know, three, four slides. And that's how we got this started. And we went out there and demonstrated that we knew the market. And of course, I'm close to some investors. So, you know, we got some really honest feedback. We got turned down a lot. But then we found an investor that it really resonated with that I knew well. And it was literally just Josh and I as co-founders with this PowerPoint slide. We got $3 million in seed funding and just started building, you know, a team. One source of pride for the company. We're over 40 people now. We've never used a recruiter. Wow. And I think that speaks a lot to the fact that, you know, we have great networks, sure, but we also have great networks full of great people that we trust. And so far we have not lost one person in the company. And, um, you know, in any case, we, that's how we started it. And it was just a three or four page ugly PowerPoint got seed funding in July of 2020 after a lot of diligence. And I tell you, I tell you, when you do these things, they look into everything about you, you know, what's your favorite color, where were you born, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it was a really, really interesting time getting it up and going up until July and then building the team. And then uh, one of the key tenants, you know, I have a lot of advice for any, you know, soon to be founder is just over communicate with mm. everybody, <laughs> including yourself. Right. <laughs> so looking at the parallels between, you know, your previous life and sales and mm -hmm. now being a founder and CEO, what are some of the, the parallels between the two? What have been a few examples that you've been surprised about when it comes to the difficulty or even the ease of running a company now? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it kind of plays to what I consider my strengths in terms of communicating and, you know, injecting energy and culture into the business. And so the similarities I would say are that at the end of the day, what it is, is it's all about people. And I consider myself a good communicator. I consider myself, you know, and, you know, somewhat of a natural leader and also a source of uh, a lot of fun too. So I, I inject a lot of levity into the business. 
And so that's something I did as sales leader, as go-to-market leader as well, in terms of, you know, just making sure that everybody knows, you know, we're all in it together. There's nothing I would ask anybody to do I wouldn't do myself. And I, I make sure that people know that I earned my position by doing all sorts of the jobs that you're probably doing today, you know, to my employees. And so I, I kind of engender respect and trust by doing that. And so those are some of the same things that transfer over to being CEO today. Uh, today, you know, I, I still f- lean on my people skills and over communicate. I try to have one-on-ones with everybody in the company. I welcome and every new hire we have, and it's increasingly important. Obviously, we have a widely distributed team across the nation and even into Europe. Slack has been key for us to communicate, but that's really the key is just communication, letting people know who you are, making sure it's personal. Everybody I talk to in the company, I understand what they do when they're not working and uh, what their interests are, whether it be painting or golfing or archery or whatever. I always want to know where they live and why they live there and what they do when they're not talking about Revelstoke. And I think that's uh, something that plays really well from sales into CEO. The things that I would say that are different are that I only had to be good at sales before. Now I have to be good at, <laughs> now I have to be good at everything and it's annoying, but uh, it's also very, I've learned something new every day. I've never looked at more spreadsheets and understood Excel as well as I do today. And so that was the biggest difference is that I have to be good at everything, whether it's HR, finance, marketing, channel, metrics, SaaS metrics, you know, customer acquisition costs, all that stuff that I didn't really know much about, I've definitely got to know about today. You spoke a little bit about your network, your hiring, no one's left, all through people that you've known. My earliest memory with you is honestly all the introductions that you've made for Ron and I early on in the podcast days. Like, hey, you want to meet people? I'll give you six at a time just so you don't get lost. And we're like, whoa, you were an introduction <laughs> machine. I mean, that obviously, I'm sure that, that that comes from a little bit of your sales side. Yeah. But that is such a talent to have as a CEO, because I do believe that it's those connections with other people that really makes a company successful. Absolutely. Uh, was that something that was intentional? Is that something that you just do yourself? Did you learn that from your father? Where did that come from? And how is it showing up the best for you? You know, it's quite honestly, it's really organic for me. And thank you, by the way, for that, you know, in terms of the introductions. I've always valued, always wanted to know, walk into a restaurant, walk into a bar. I always want to meet somebody and understand what they do for a living and why. And what do they like about it or what do they hate about it? I've always been that way. And I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you. It's pretty organic. So I'm always interested in people. I have a profound interest in people and their stories. And what I think the the net result of that is that, you know, I have, you know, 10,000 followers and our connection or whatever on LinkedIn. And um, I've just always helped people, not because I had a motive or I didn't expect them to help me in return. I just like doing it. When somebody needs your help, it's a compliment. I've always found it as a compliment in that I have something they don't And I can impart on them some sort of an introduction or a reference or some knowledge. That's very fulfilling for me. 
And again, it's not because there's strings attached or any money behind it. It's just always been really fulfilling for me to help other people. And uh, I think that that is um, kind of what's helped me create a network of people and goodwill throughout that network, which translates to the fact, again, that I uh, haven't used a recruiter to bring anybody on board here today. I'm sure we will at some point. But, um, you know, to me, that's a testament of, you know, generating that network and that goodwill and just that, you know, core uh, value of just wanting to help. You know, at some at one point in my life, I almost became a fireman for that same reason. But, um, you know, then I started having kids and I needed a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> and no need for that recruiter because everyone listening, hit up Bob right now, <laughs> probably hiring. Don't work at Revelstoke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I appreciate the plug for sure. You know, that's, I mean, Revelstoke exists because there's two to four million, depending on what report you read, there's two to four million open cybersecurity jobs today. And we exist uh, to help fill that gap. So, yeah, it's a people thing. So, you know, now that we've made it to this point, you've started your your company, you're, you know, built relationships. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping to do with all of it? You have the investment from VCs, the investment from your team and the yeah. investment in yourself. What do you want to ultimately see at the end of this? I can't say that I ever want it to end for sure, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can tell you what I really look forward to in the future here is, again, people are my passion and, um, you know, I love building out teams of people. And so, you know, we're well on our way here in North America. So I want to continue that path and building out teams and seeing them be successful. Because again, I, the whole reason I did this and the whole reason I love doing this is because I like creating something out of nothing. And so I look forward to building out teams in Europe and Asia, et cetera, and being successful in these markets where, you know, some people can't even, you know, get off the ground. And I just love doing that. And, um, you know, it helps that I love to travel as well, I guess. But (laughs) that's one thing I want to see is I want to see more people at this company. I want to see more teams at this company. And I want to see everybody be successful. And that's really, at the end of the day, what's going to be fulfilling to me. And, um, you know, whatever happens down the road with the company, whether we go public or get acquired, you know, I'm not really worried about that right now. I'm just really worried about, I wouldn't say worry isn't the right word. I'm just focused on everybody's success in the company and making sure it's a good place to work because, you know, life is too short. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've had a near death experience and, uh, you know, that kind of led me to essentially doing what I do today. And that's that, you know, if I were to not to sound too macabre or dark, but if I were to be on my deathbed, I would regret never having started my own company. And that's why I did this. You know, when you talk about mortality, you talk about life being short. It makes me think of legacy. It makes you think about what is it that you're going to leave behind? And you said that you, before it's all said and done, you wanted to start a company. What does that say about you and your legacy, you know, with this company? What impact or impression are you hoping to leave on this world? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I guess it somewhat appeals to my ego, but, um, <laughs> you know, again, it comes down to the definition of success and how, you know, I was brought up in terms of, you know, the definition of success isn't driving the nicest car so much as it's, uh, starting a company and providing jobs for people 
jobs that never existed before until you, you decided to start a company. And that's what I love doing about my one-on-ones. And so I want my legacy to be, you know, somebody that not only started a, a successful company financially, but that employed a lot of people and supported a lot of families. To me, that's a source of pride. You know, it sounds kind of really basic, but, you know, obviously I want to create a product that adds value and makes my customers look like heroes, which we are doing today, which I love doing as well. I'm very customer focused, but I want the legacy to be that I created a company or I helped create a company. I created jobs, taxpayers that never existed or would have never existed had I never decided to do this. And to me, that's, that's really what success is. So. Outstanding. Bob, there's someone that's listening right now that, you know, they've been on the grind, whether it's in technology or cybersecurity or just their field in general. And they said, you know what? I want to be like Bob and I want to leave <laughs> a legacy. I want to leave an impact on this world. I need to start an organization. Yeah. Where would you recommend for people to start? Maybe they, they don't have that idea yet, but they know they want to build something. What piece of advice would you have for those folks? Find a good co-founder, find uh, good mentors. It's all about standing on the shoulders of people that have been through this before. So that is really what's been key to me. And, you know, how do we get our investors for the company? It's based on my prior relationships and making sure that they're highly trusted, high, high integrity relationships. It's something that you can see with my most recent board member, Brian Nesmith, the founder of Arctic Wolf. Brian was my CEO where I was a lowly sales rep at Blue Coat Systems. But somehow, for some reason, Brian and I have stayed close over all of these years to the point where he's now a board member of my company. And that's 17 years ago that I worked for him. And so he and others like him in the company I have today are just in incredibly helpful and support me. And, uh, you know, I guess part of that is also, I guess, without saying is that you have to be willing to be wrong and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And so I love helping people when they ask for help again, because it's a compliment. And I love being associated with people that feel that same way when I ask them for help. And so that's what I would recommend is, you know, it sounds really easy. Surround yourself with good people. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. How do you do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in a weird way, you know, with Brian as the example on my board, I've been working towards this my entire career without really knowing it. But it was, it's all about having those people that you, you know, transcend business and that are trusted friendships and people that you can tolerate and enjoy being around and they can, they do the same with you. Outstanding. Bob, as always, it's an honor to chop it up with you. For the folks out there to want to stay up to date with you, your startup and all the incredible things that you're doing out there in this world, what are the best ways for people to do that? You know, I'm on LinkedIn all day, every day almost. So LinkedIn is probably the, the best way to just kind of check up on me. If you want to reach out to me, my email is simply bob at revelstoke.io. And uh, that's revelstoke.io. <laughs> Get some people going, going other places. But uh, yeah, email is a great way to do it. Bob at revelstoke.io. And then obviously LinkedIn. Perfect. We will be sure to include your LinkedIn and also your email along with your website, your company's website in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you, Bob. 
Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Thank you very much, Chris and Ron. It's been an honor. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. 